Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I invite you to join me in exploring God's Word for wisdom and inspiration to help us live faithful and fulfilling lives. All of us have spiritual needs to be met, and often we can find ways of meeting them through the timeless words of Scripture and through the story of the life of Jesus Christ. All of us approach our faith and our relationship with God in personal ways. But there are universal truths and principles that we all share regardless of our religious traditions or personal creeds. We all know and expect that faith has to do with our relationship with God, but it also deals with our relationship with other people. Love of God and love of other people cannot be separated. When Jesus was asked to name the greatest of all commandments, he said, Love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't have one without the other. This week, we're going to focus on the neighbor part of the commandment, and I'll be drawing also on some of my recent experiences. Like a lot of older people, my wife and I have been isolating ourselves pretty strictly for the past year. Most of our social interactions have been in the form of Zoom get-togethers with a few of our close friends and family. January and February were particularly difficult in our northern climes because the extreme cold weather kept us pretty much housebound for those months. Now, I was fortunate to be able to continue my chaplain's work through social media and my wife followed her passion for sewing, making custom face masks about eight hours a day. We both exercised regularly, watched movies, binged on cable TV series, and read a lot of books. In other words, we were pretty typical. So what's so bad about that? Our lives weren't empty, but something was missing. Last week, we passed the two-week waiting period after our second vaccinations. We are now considered fully vaccinated. Now that same day also marked the one-year anniversary of the declared pandemic. For the first time since the pandemic shut us in, we celebrated our new fully vaccinated status by gathering with another vaccinated couple at a friend's home for dinner. We hugged, we sat talking, unmasked. The five of us each lit a candle on a celebratory cupcake to symbolize a new light breaking into our darkness, and we said a Thanksgiving prayer together. The next day, I sent our host a thank you text, and her reply hit me unexpectedly hard. She wrote, Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed the, the night. I also did. Friendship is such a beautiful thing. Now, the reason her simple reply hit me so hard was because it awakened with me the realization of what has been missing in my life. Friendship. Now, true, we hadn't stopped being friends over that past 12 months. And other than a friend who died during that period, I didn't lose any of my friends that I know of. But it's impossible to fully experience friendship, to really be a friend, 
when we're unable to be physically present to each other. Share a hug and just sit around and talk. For me, it felt strangely like the year of isolation had never existed when we got together again. The impact of our coming out is multiplied by the lengthening of the days, the warming weather, and a reawakening of all nature. I suspect, and I hope, that this is going to be for most of us an Easter like no other. One of the positives, then, of the past year's isolation is a renewed appreciation of close personal relationships. After my text exchange with my friend, my thoughts turned, as they almost inevitably do, to what the Bible might have to say about friendship. More specifically, what do Jesus' sayings and actions say about friendship? And I also want to think about my personal experience with friends. I want to take advantage of this teachable moment so that I don't slip back into taking friendships for granted again. And maybe you won't either. We human beings are created by God to be in relationships. In the Genesis creation story, God first created Adam. Then God said, it's not good that Adam should be alone. And that led to the creation of Eve, who in turn led to the proliferation of the human species until today there are about 7.8 billion of us living together on our planet. Today, it's hard to be alone. When Jesus says that part of the greatest commandment is to love our neighbors, his use of the word neighbor encompasses all of those 7.8 billion people. Now, obviously, we can't have a close relationship with that many people. That fraction of those people with which we have a strong bond, we call friends. Some, but not all of whom, may be family. And they were the ones that I realized I'd missed the most. My friends. Listen to this song by James Taylor. It's one of the best descriptions of a friend that I know. And you need a helping hand And nothing, oh, nothing's going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I will be there To brighten up even darkest night You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running Oh yeah baby To see you again 
got to do is call And I'll be there, yeah, yeah, yeah You've got a friend Ain't it good to know that you've got a friend? It sure is. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, we need friends. One of the things that came to mind when I started thinking about friendship was the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. He was their teacher. He was their co-worker. He was their Lord. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells them that he considers them as his friends. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. He doesn't look at their relationship as master to servant, but friend to friend. In that passage, he gives them the ultimate expression of friendship, someone who would be willing to lay down his life for someone else. In this case, he's giving them a glimpse of the future. He would, in a relatively short period of time, lay down his life for them. He would prove to be the ultimate friend for them and for us. Friends are important at all stages of our lives. Through our childhood friendships, we learn how to socialize with other people. We play together. We learn how to share. We experience what it is like to fight and to make up. And through the bonds of these early friendships, we develop a sense of loyalty and camaraderie. These early friendships lay the groundwork for the relationships will, will, will be like in the rest of our lives. Unfortunately, some children are chronically friendless. And not surprisingly, these children are like, more likely to experience emotional and social problems as they grow older. Kids need friends. We all know the importance of friends in adolescence. Teenagers start choosing their friends according to shared values and common interests rather than just physical proximity, which is more important in determining the friends of young children. Our friends in adolescence are important in charting our course through life and in developing our values. For that reason, parents are always concerned that their kids don't fall in with the wrong, wrong crowd, as we say. Although these friendships can be turbulent and painful, going through the teenage years without solid friends is a miserable experience can be a life-damaging experience. And our earlier friendships lay the groundwork for adult friendships, which are essential for a happy and fulfilling life. We rely on our friendships for companionship, affection, and emotional support. A number of years ago, I was going through a difficult time emotionally. I was suffering from depression and anxiety. And at one particularly low point, I called my best friend at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, he jumped in his car, came over to my house, and we walked the streets of our neighborhood for two hours just talking. I don't know what I would have done otherwise. When you're down and troubled, 
and you need a helping hand. I know what James Taylor was talking about. And now as we enter old age, our friendships come to fruition. Even as the number of friends we have in old age naturally declines, they offer more and more satisfaction. At this time of life, those with significant friendships experience fewer hospitalizations, accomplish more of the tasks of daily living, experience less mental decline, and report just being generally happier. And particularly after retirement, friendships tend to grow deeper now that the stresses of work and family commitments tend to lessen. This is particularly true for those who aren't able to go out as often. We even may even go back and renew some old friendships. In short, it's not good for us to be alone. We need friends in the spring, summer, winter, and fall of our lives. Consider the alternative. Isolation. Without friends, life becomes a sort of solitary confinement. The most dreaded fate of people in prison. And we can descend into the dark pit of despair and loneliness. Remember what happened when Jesus went out by himself in the wilderness for 40 days? In his isolation, he was confronted by the devil himself. The Buddha, we are told, was confronted by demons when he isolated himself to achieve spiritual enlightenment. When we try to live without friends, we're going to have to deal with a lot of demons. Now, as our country and our lives open up, and we begin quickly, we hope, we can emerge from isolation, and we have an opportunity and an obligation to pay attention not only to our own friendships, but the friendships of our children, young people, and all those around us who appear to be friendless. It will be immensely important for us to encourage and support all the children around us in making and maintaining friends. Some may not have learned the skills of friend-making, or those skills may have been inhibited by this year when their contacts with other kids have been restricted. When I was a kid in a small town, making friendships was automatic. It was assumed. Our parents just shoot us out of the house into the neighborhood where proximity to other kids naturally provided an environment for bonding. Today, I know, it's not so simple. Most parents, especially in more urban environments, don't feel safe just turning their kids loose. That means parents will need to be intentional about establishing playdates and encouraging other opportunities for their kids to make friends. Mainly, we just need to put them together, and nature will take care of the rest. And for the rest of us and for our society, we need to support public policy and programs, including schools, which will enable this mixing to happen. I recently talked to a young mother who had been homeschooling her daughter. As the year wore on, she found it harder and harder to be an effective teacher and mother at the same time. Resentment festered between the two of them and her daughter started exhibiting behavior problems. She ended up returning her daughter to a parochial school for the second semester. She was fortunate to be able to do so. And their situation has begun to improve. Because her daughter is with friends. 
Our kids need friends, and there is growing national awareness that opening schools is a pressing need. Now, I really feel for teenagers who have been robbed of their social lives this year. Raging hormones and the urgent developmental needs that teens experience must create a special kind of hell for many of them. During our transition period, parents need to pay special attention to the needs of their uh, teenage children. It's a time to first of all be patient and acknowledge how hard it is for them. Be on the lookout for behavioral and potentially life-threatening issues and get help and intervention if needed. They haven't had the support of their friends for a long time. Some teens may need encouragement to get back out there. Welcome their friends into your home. You know, their friendship skills may be rusty. We can't engineer friendships, but we can provide the environment where for friendships can grow. Most of all, be patient and present. They need friends. We so-called adults need to be consciously considering our friendships too. Take a minute and make a list of the active friends you have in your life. They may be at work. They may be family members. Through social media, you may have opportunities to reconnect with friends from the past. And as soon as it is safe for you to do so, get together with friends and do things together. Reach out to those who are down and troubled and extend that helping hand. In normal times, these things go without saying. At this moment in our troubled history, we need to work at being friends. Don't forget the old and the lonely. Remember those who will continue to be isolated in their homes or, or who will sit unnoticed and alone in nursing homes and care centers, even when life is back to normal. Find ways, maybe through your church, that you can become a friend in one of their lives. Remember, not only will they gain a friend, but you will too. Well, friends, I think I've said enough. Just let me close by reminding you of your greatest friend of all, the one who gave his life for you. Jesus is always with you, always extending his hand to you. You don't have to wear a mask to be with him, and you can feel his embrace in the midst of quarantine. So may God bless you, and I'm going to go out with the greatest friendship song of all time, I think. Often forfeit 
Breathing to God in prayer. 